If you say, I don't want pornography in my portfolio. Well, now you're not alone to, allowed to own Exxon, Marriott, or Hilton. How did I get Exxon? Pornography? What? Exxon owns convenience stores, and they still have magazines in there. Yep, those kind too. Uh, uh, Hilton and Marriott have special channels that you go to for pay-per-view. How you invest determines a lot of things. It narrows your field. Once more unto the breach, dear friends. Else close the wall up with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, aspirationally, boys and girls. Uh, welcome to the Personal Wealth Coach. This is Jake McClure. On the line with me, I have... Jeff McClure. Uh, together, we are bald. No, together, we are the Personal Wealth Coach and, and mm. bald. I'm glad you got that straight. Yes, we have to establish this is full disclosure. You guys need to have... Uh, total knowledge of the fact that there are two bald men with beards talking to you at the moment. This podcast is called The Personal Wealth Coach, and that's also the name of an SEC-registered investment advisory firm based in Salado, Texas. Now, the fact that it's registered with the SEC doesn't mean that the SEC approves or disapproves of anything, neither, neither does the secretary, whoever the secretary is, and this tape will destruct after it's listened to. You the dated yourself. This tape will destruct. Your podcast tape is about to self-destruct. That's why you can't find the tape in it anymore. <laughs> it already has self-destructed because it's too old. And uh, the information that we do present in this podcast, we get from sources we think are very reliable, but we don't make any guarantees as to the completeness or the accuracy of that reliability or anything else. We just do the best we can. The information that we're providing during this podcast is not considered investment advice. This information is educational because investment advice means that we know exactly who's listening and we can custom tailor all of our advice to them. So prepare to be educated. And we've got some questions. Inquisitor John, our, our most faithful uh, inquisitor out there, has a couple of questions waiting for me about ESG. ESG is kind of a hot topic right now, but if you're, if you're not familiar with it, uh, I'm sure you'll hear more of it for a while at least. Um, it is environmental, social, and governance. It's a, it's a concept that was released by Morningstar. They're a, they're a mutual fund rating organization. They uh, talk about how well a mutual fund. If you've ever heard a four-star rating or a five-star rating about a mutual fund, it came from Morningstar. That's their claim to fame. They also give medalists like gold, silver, and bronze medals to certain funds within their categories for being really good. So they have these rating mechanisms that they're using. And uh, Elder Baldy and I were at a conference a few years back, a Morningstar conference, which then they give quite good conferences as far as the content goes. Most of the financial conferences of the world are filled with excess and are kind of air-quoted. They may have a lot of sports stars talking at them. Finance conferences and sports stars, I don't know why they do that. I guess it's motivational. It certainly doesn't add to, to my business model. Anyway, it's, it's a different 
concept. Morningstar doesn't generally do that. They have economists. They have uh, commentators from the financial markets. They have uh, academics that come and talk. And a lot of times they'll have people that are uh, a lot of folks from the mutual fund business are there. Well, Morningstar released this concept of environmental, social, and government, ESG, and they did it with a lot of fanfare. If you, it, it, Morningstar is, is a bit of a, a nerdly side of the finance world, just to kind of give you a feel for this. So it takes place in uh, the Chicago uh, Convention Center, which is like this massive, empty building where they move around these big massive walls most of these big conferences that are finance conferences take place at these really nice hotels and and they've got you know people walking around ringing gongs to let you know what's going on it it it, morning stars conferences it's a much more industrial feel which is cool for those of us in the financial area that that are looking for how do you how do you get down to the nitty gritty? I want to actually get past all the glitz and talk about what's real. So in the midst of all of this, in the middle of Chicago, and if, if you listen back a few years back, I guess it was 2017 or 16, somewhere right in there, we talked about it at the time on the air. Um, and we, we talked about some of our reservations about it. So it's, it's really hitting big at this point. ESG, people talk about it. Uh, a lot of mutual funds are saying, hey, I'm an ESG fund. Uh, they're using it in advertisements. What does it mean? So Inquisitor John has this question. Fiduciary responsibility is supposed to protect and work for the client. I understand that ESG funds are not on par with returns from other non-ESG funds. Is this initiative a potential conflict? And he's got, as is traditional, he's got a digital picture of the paper wall street journal with the headline your new woke 401k and it's talking about the biden administration's proposals to rewrite erisa to steer investment choices it also talks a bit about how uh, the trump administration changed the rules around erisa to keep esg out of 401ks so I did tell you earlier in the hour that we we're going to touch on where politics hit finance. And boy, does it ever hit here. What's going on here? Let me, let's take a step back first. I know you've got a very specific question, but I want to fill in this gray area. What is ESG and why do we have it? Why does it matter first? The reason why it matters, now I'm going to, take you to that same kind of world of glitz in your mind. Say you're someone that gives advice to the ultra wealthy. When a billionaire comes to you and says, I don't want any green M&Ms, do you say, well, that's, that's not in your best interest, uh, madam or uh, sir billionaire? No, that's not, that's, it's incidental and people go, ah, oh, well, there's no green. Okay. No green M&Ms. Gotcha. A little bit of extra fee. I'll tack that on. I'm going to mark up the price a lot to get those M&Ms out. But yeah, here you go. No M&Ms or no green M&Ms. What is that about? Why did I use that example? The market is not designed ever to correct someone's bias. 
If you believe something, it's not the market's job to change your mind. The market's job is to sell you what you want to buy. And that's something that you've got to kind of hold it hard. You can bring in a, an advisor that's a fiduciary advisor who will say, that's a good idea or that's a bad idea, but let's go less glitz and less glamour. Let's go to something much smaller, uh, much smaller, not smaller than M&Ms, but smaller than a billionaire's budget. Let's say you know someone who only ever buys white colored cars or green colored cars. Well, is there something wrong with buying a white or green color? I don't see a reason why that's a bad thing. Unless there's something wrong with the car. Uh, and the only reason why they're getting it is because of its color. That's kind of weird. But people have preferences and they're allowed to have preferences in what they buy, what they wear. The problem is when you can't agree on what the color white is. And that's what we're talking about with ESG. ESG is this recognition by the marketplace that there are a group of people, a large group of people, that wish to spend their money in a specific way. That is music to the marketplace's ears. Someone wishes to spend money in a certain way? I will find that way. That's what the market comes up with. So ESG was born because there's a lot of money waiting to go there. Now, the question comes up, is it, is it better for the investor? Well, this is something that is true no matter what the specific. You can go back to my early career days. Sharia law was not even in the vocabula vocabulary of the United States at all. just wasn't there. But there was something very like Sharia law that was already an investment methodology. Only it was a form of Christian investing. And that still exists. A lot of very, you know, in the early part of my career, it was still considered shameful for a Baptist to drink beer, not just on a Sunday, but any day. It's not considered so bad anymore. People are like, ah, you know, uh, they still don't, you know, serve wine in communion in Baptist churches. They serve Kool-Aid still. But over time, society changes. But early in my career, there were already market-based investment vehicles that were designed for people that only wanted to invest in certain things. Now, I have clients that are uh, of a deeply religious background, Christian, Muslim, Hindu. So to have something pre-made for them to say, this is how I wish to invest my money because I feel that it's going to a good cause, whether that's uh, whatever that means, there's a price associated with that. Because long-term, when you limit yourself, and I'll give you some examples. If you say, I don't want pornography in my portfolio. Well, now you're not alone to, allowed to own Exxon, Marriott, or Hilton. How did I get Exxon? Pornography? What? Exxon owns convenience stores, and they still have magazines in there. Yep. Those kind too. Uh, Hilton and Marriott have special channels that you go to for pay-per-view. How you invest determines a lot of things. It narrows your field. Well, that's all pretty easy in that most people can agree what they mean when they say no pornography or no alcohol or no tobacco. 
It gets a lot harder when you use the words ESG. Environmental, okay, what's good for the environment? I recycle my plastic. Well, that's bad on the carbon emissions. Your plastic is being heated up again. It's actually better for carbon if you get your plastic from the original source and just throw it away. But wait, if you throw it away, it goes into the ocean. That's not good for the environment. You, you follow. We don't have a method, a good method at least. We've got gajillions, and that's a technical number, by the way. It's, it's way bigger than the scientists are able to give it credit. So I'm the only one that uses it. But gajillions of, of different ways of saying what's good for the environment. And quite a lot of them... Are run counter to each other. Uh, if you're for clean water, well, how are you cleaning the water and what are you doing with the waste that you're cleaning out of the water? You follow. There's a lot of confusion here. ESG is a really easy thing to say, but a hard thing to prove. What we can't say clearly is that if you're limiting the field of investments, your performance is probably going to suffer for it compared to someone who has the whole field open for them. And historically, that's been proven to be true in that ESG tends to lag in returns. And John, you were great in pointing that out. So what's in the best interest of the client? From a fiduciary perspective, the person that's supposed to be giving investment advice, if someone says, I cannot sleep at night if I know I'm funding fill in the blank and I'm willing to take a hit to my performance so that I don't fund Fill in the blank. Fill in the blank, by the way, I heard is a horrible thing that everyone should avoid. Just, just keep that in mind. All right. So we've got, obviously, we've got some politics involved in that right wing, left wing. They have different ideas on what's supposed to be the E in environmental, the S in social and societal, G in governance. What is supposed to be right there? Well, that's why we have politics. We, nobody's decided that for everyone yet. We're still debating it. And that's where this comes into an issue. Until we have some firm, I hate to say this, regulations on what those words even mean, using them in advertising can be extremely misleading. Uh, John sends in a, a couple of other pieces in here. One about green bonds, allure, declines amid scrutiny. Bonds uh, sold to fund environmentally friendly projects and companies generally fetch higher prices and lower yields. That means it costs more and pays less than conventional bonds. This greenium, which is kind of somebody's tongue-in-cheek, I don't know, local news, somebody put together a, a pun, which I, sh I shouldn't be throwing rocks at other people's puns, being... There's, there's problems there. But, you know, greenium instead of premium. Uh, the greenium has been shrinking in recent weeks as global, global regulators forge ahead on new disclosure rules. Okay, so that's a quote from a different article in the Wall Street Journal. Disclosure rules. What are we talking about here? Well, we still don't know what ESG is. And this is the thing. Uh, and this is Quite often, in John's question on the second email he sent in about ESG, another ESG scam, good for the earth, not so good for the investor. Good for the earth is, is a pet peeve of mine. Because the earth at one point was a molten ball, and if it were unhappy or happy, it's the same unhappy or happy now. 
when people talk about saving the environment, what they're really talking about is save the environment that allows us to live. Now, it's not quite as selfless. It becomes very selfish when you put it in that context, but that's what they're, they're it's not a selfless race to stop the environment from poor Mother Earth. Well, yeah, if we're not around, it doesn't matter uh, from that old tree fall in the forest perspective. So this concept here of it's good for the planet is really, it's good for us to survive in the planet and for the planet as a status quo. Stop the change, whatever the change is. Which, when you put it in that context, literally means conservative. So the progressives are the conservatives here. I know, it's a little weird. You're going to have to, words are important and recognizing that we've had a complete flip is important as well. Remember that Theodore Roosevelt is the one that set up most of those big national parks and monuments, and he was a Republican and considered to be quite a progressive conservationist. How you can be a progressive conservative is interesting in today's context, but that's what we're talking about. So the, just know that, that there's been a flip there, that environment is something that used to be the conservative side and has now become the liberal side. You can go back through history and look at that. It's fascinating. This kind of demographic shift really kind of lights my candle. All I'm saying here on this ESG thing is something that I think should have been covered from one end to the other by everybody that talks about it, but they get into the woods on it, on saying whether it's better performance or not. The reality is we don't know what ESG is. Even Morningstar, the people that invented it, they have different standards for each company. So just and that, a lot of people go, "What do you mean? Each company has a different standard? How do?" It's not each company, but a lot of companies have different standards. Why? Well, what if you're a potato company? Do you think that that might look different than a computer chip company? How do you measure them on the same scale? If you're looking at water usage, they both use water. They use them differently. You're looking at what, what do you use to compare the two? Is one a net green? They might both be net green, but you can see that you might need a different measuring stick for each company. How do you do that? We haven't figured it out yet. And to use it as a, uh, a statement of fact of, I only invest in ESG. Well, it's kind of like saying, I, I only invest in things because we, nobody knows what you just said. You may think you know what you said, but you didn't. Now, you can focus it. Do your own due diligence if it's important to you. And let me get this clear. It's important to, to know what you're investing in. And, and it's important that what you're investing in lines up with your belief structure. If you are, as a deep conservative, found out that you're investing in Planned Parenthood, which you couldn't do because it's not, profit, not for profit, but this is, this is what I mean. You might be a bit upset. So knowing what you're investing in and why makes sense. ESG is supposed to be a tool that allows us to do that better. And what it's become is a tool that obfuscates everything. And this is the most famous ESG example that I use. I don't know that famous is the right word. I use it the most. And that is that amongst uh, oil-producing nations, Saudi Arabia, uh, the companies in Saudi Arabia have an ESG rating that's higher than 
quite a lot of other oil producing na- nations, even though, you know, the governance side of things, you'd think that would have some weight. The fact that they're still debating whether or not it's okay to let women drive. Well, um, when you look at the companies in Saudi Arabia, they've got to follow the governance of their government, right? So their corporate governance seems okay. It's not, it's, they're not advocating for whatever. You see what I'm saying? This, this gets into quibble world central. Uh, you just get into quibbling over tiny things. What I much prefer is to approach each investment and looking what the underlying investments are and saying, what are these things trying to accomplish? Because is Walmart a green investment? Some would say yes. There's a high ESG rating on that. Others would say no. They still, serve, they still sell guns. You see where the quibble points arise. So recognize just because it says ESG, it doesn't mean the same thing every time you see it. In fact, I've yet to see it mean the same thing twice. Just keep that in mind. There's not an easy, it's very spectrum-y. There, how's that? Uh, The whole concept of ESG is a spectrum. And I have covered this point probably more than John wanted me to. There's a lot that's happened this week. I think ESGs need a lot of covering because, man, there's a lot of wrong information out there on the subject. If you would like to talk to us off the air, we actually do give fiduciary investment advice to people of high net worth. We manage portfolios. We talk to people about their businesses, all that good stuff. Um, And we've got local number and a toll-free number. There's voicemail during the weekends and real live people during the week. The local number is 254-947-1111. Or you can reach that same line toll-free at 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. You can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com. You can uh, look at our made-for-radio faces and our wonderful staff. Uh, You can read about uh, the history of our business. You can see all that good stuff. You can listen to podcasts going back lots of years. You can find those on any podcast provider as well. Contact us on the contact form or directly at jake at tpwc.com or jeff at tpwc.com. Until next hour, this has been the Personal Wealth Coach. Thank you very much for listening.